Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. A normally functioning human body is something most of us take for granted until we have a personal experience that challenges that. It might be the birth of a child, an accident, or just staying alive long enough to have bits of ourselves wear out. Two of our senses that are susceptible to impairment are hearing and sight. Now, Lighthouse Louisiana is the largest employer of blind people in the state. The company makes paper products, and in case you're thinking this is some sort of occupational therapy for the blind, last year, Lighthouse Louisiana had $14 million in sales. The president of Lighthouse Louisiana is Renee Vidrine. Renee, welcome out to lunch. Thanks, Peter. I'm glad to be here. And I use, is this the same organization I remembered as Lighthouse for the Blind? It is. So Lighthouse Louisiana has been around for 100 years. This is our centennial anniversary. And we have expanded or changed our name from Lighthouse for the Blind to Lighthouse Louisiana um, because we do more than serve people who are blind now. We've also uh, have services for people with other disabilities, for people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Now, I don't have a statistic on this, but I'd be willing to bet there's hardly a person in America who doesn't have at least one friend or family member who's hard of hearing. Local company General Hearing Instruments is a leading innovator in the hearing aid business. They have 24 U.S. and international patents, and their products are available nationwide, even in Sam's and Walmart. Mike Major is the vice president of sales and marketing for General Hearing Instruments. Uh, Mike, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Great. Great to be here. We'll get to the nuts and bolts of the hearing aid business later, Mike, but before we do, I have a general question about the market. I heard LSU Health Science neuroscientist Ham Farris quote a study about a massive leap in hearing impairment in young people. Now, Dr. Uh, Farris thought it was probably due to these earbuds that were all sticking in our ears. Probably you're listening to us uh, on them right now. And Dr. Farris suggested only half-jokingly um, that if you're looking for a company to invest in the future, put your money in hearing aids. Uh, are you seeing any evidence in this from your perspective? Is the hearing aid business a, a massive growth industry? Oh, it, it definitely is. Uh, I concur with what the, that professor said. Uh, many kids suffer from uh, hearing loss. Um, in fact, uh, one of the growing markets is there are companies actually that have uh, headphones that limit the output to try to minimize uh, some of the hearing loss we're beginning to see in younger and younger customers. Well, and, the ki- and they will, of course, want it louder and louder, but this is kind of a governor on it, sort it, of? Exactly. It's a governor on it to kind of uh, help to prevent some of the hearing loss that you're, you're seeing in this younger demographic. But I believe that the numbers are about uh, 1 in 10 people in the U.S. have a hearing loss, and that wow. number is growing very rapidly. Wow, that is it. Now, every time I... I and I love music in this town, but every time I leave a concert, my ears are ringing. That's yes. probably, is it taking off a little piece of my hearing each time? Or Well, what's happening is that loudness has actually affected your hearing loss, and it is damaging. 
Uh, for most people, it comes back, uh, the hearing uh, comes back, the tinnitus kind of fades away over a period of time, uh, but for many people, that tinnitus is a very large problem in their life. Um, we produce a product that's called a sound generator that's used in conjunction with what's called tinnitus retraining therapy that's used to help people who have this tinnitus condition. Technology is moving forward. There's some really exciting things coming out in the next few years. And I think uh, five, six years from now, you're gonna look back and it's gonna look very different than what it is today. And uh, th these are all made in Harahan? Yes, we have wow. a facility right there in Harahan. Um, and uh, we've been fortunate to team up with some huge uh, distributors like Walmart, like Sam's Club. Um, and we're just trying to continue to increase our distribution and uh, really put forth a quality product that people can afford because that's one of the key things in hearing loss is that affordability. Uh, insurance for the most part does not cover for hearing aids or provides a very small percentage of the price and so for many people that help is unattainable. Uh, so that's what our products, one of our major segments is trying to service that part of the industry people who are looking for a quality product but cannot afford it. Renee, $14 million in revenue in Louisiana is a significant size business, and yet I think it's fair to say that most of us are pretty unfamiliar with what goes on at Louisiana Lighthouse. What is the connection between the manufacture of paper cups and paper towels and impaired sight? How did how'd you get into the paper products business? What we, are, what we try to do is create opportunities for people with disabilities through to succeed through employment, education and advocacy and we're able to do that through the uh, ability one program it's a government program that says as long as we can provide a product that the government buys and we can provide it at a fair market price it is delivered on time and has good quality and 75 percent in the labor of making it or repackaging it is provided by people who are legally blind, then that item is taken out of the bid process and is uh, set aside and we become the mandatory source. So that's how we started being involved in making paper products. And do, you, do you still make brooms? We don't make brooms anymore. That was a um, famous line for you at one point, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, uh, making brooms is very difficult and um, it's very uh, low tech. And one of the things we wanted to do by changing what we're selling is let people see that people who are blind can do things that are on, on machinery that's state of the art, that is high tech machinery. Our uh, paper cup machines uh, make 300 cups a minute and um, can, it's the same machinery that they use in Solo or Dixie or whatever, whatever factory, it's the, it's the same equipment. And um, people who are legally blind run those run those machines so um, that's that's what we're doing we used to sell uh, a large probably 80 or 95 percent of what we sell to the federal government and we're trying to diversify now um, now let's get into that because there's kind of an issue here isn't there uh, you're selling about 14 million in revenues now but it was about um, three times that at one point now what what happened so in, in 2010, we did $43 million in sales. Um, and there was a change in government procurement that um, took our sales basically and transferred them to local contractors in the Central Asian um, states over by Afghanistan and Iran. And it was to build infrastructure and as, as a deal. But at your to, expense, I guess, to, here. To get them to stop bombing our supply trucks. but. <laughs> Which is something the, you could threaten to do and try to get that back again. The unintended um, results of that was 
that we lost $14 million in sales in one year. And we laid off 40 people. Wow, which is a, a lot for a, you, right? A, a lot of those people are people who are blind. It's 75% um, of, of people who are blind are unemployed, not because they don't sure. want to work, but it's difficult for someone who's blind to find a job and to find an employer that's not um, that's willing to hire them and isn't afraid of what they don't know. Best example, what when those people are laid off, I mean, where would they go for a job? I, I mean... So it's it's really it is really difficult, but we have a division at the lighthouse that is our employment placement um, division, and that employment placement division works with not only people who are blind but people with all disabilities, and we go out and try to find jobs in the community. One, we can't employ everyone who's right. blind, and two, people some people who are blind don't want to work at the lighthouse; they want to do other things. Right. Um, so our employment placement department goes out and meets with. Uh, Employers like Walmart, like uh, Sodexo, we have, um, I think we have about eight of uh, our clients that have been placed over at Tulane uh, working in the cafeteria with Sodexo. But really any employer could could hire someone with this disability. It's just uh, breaking down those barriers and educating people about the capabilities of people with disabilities and so they don't focus, focus on what they cannot do. I would think what a listener might be thinking now is some sort of gradation of uh, uh, problems with sight. And, and that's, that must be how we should be thinking about this, right? It, there are people with no sight, and then how far down does it go for you? So when someone says they're, they're blind or we talk about someone who's blind, most of the time we're talking about legal, legal blindness. Um, only about 4% of people who are blind have no light perception. And everybody else, all the rest of them may have low vision. But if you want a really a good kind of understanding of it, is if they've got, you've got the best glasses or the best correction that you can have, and you're looking at the chart, you can't see the big E, then that is legally blind. And you know, I was just thinking about what this factory must look like, or factories in general. I mean, um, do you have liability issues that we should be, that people should think about? Not, not any more than any other employer. I mean, we are we have to be compliant with OSHA. Uh, we have safety standards, and of course, we try to keep our place uh, neat and organized. But there is no one leading people around, right. or our 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 folks have uh, have training and orientation mobility. They have canes that they can use, and they get around just fine at the lighthouse and in the community. And where is this uh, factory? So, in New Orleans, we are at 123 State Street. Uh, in the uptown area, so really close to the zoo and children's hospital. You must be at the river, right? They're right, pretty. right up against the river. Uh, it's about uh, three and a half acres there. And then we have another uh, large facility in Baton Rouge that is uh, in the, right outside an industrial complex in the, in the um, northeast part of Baton Rouge by Greenwood. And I want to ask you a question that um, uh, might be a little bit uncomfortable, but what you mentioned Solo and Dixie. What do they think of you? Are they... Are they just view you as tough competitors, or do they think you have too much of an advantage, or what? So they, they um, they're not real friendly with us. Okay. Um, they they feel like that we are coming in with a price that's too low, um, and that maybe that we have an unfair advantage. We have the, the advantage that we have is that we we do have um, we have 
government grants, mm -hmm. but those are grants are to provide services. And so the money made from making the cups actually not only pays for the people that are working and the administration, but it goes toward providing services. Too. So say, we have additional overhead that they don't ha don't That's have. Right. Could you reinvest this all into programs? That's right. Or? Nobody's making nobody's making a dime off of it except it's being reinvested to provide services. The um, the really good thing is when we're selling to our target customer, our best, our ideal customer, is that um, regional, mid to small size uh, restaurant, hotel that um, is selling selling locally or, or regionally, and Solo's not giving them a good deal. Right. And we're willing to give them a good deal. That's who we want to sell to, and not so much the uh, the big guys like McDonald's or Taco Bell, because uh, frankly the margins are just so thin that there's no way for us to support They're our services paper thin, with that. The margins, that's <laughs> they what are. they are. They, it's, <laughs> they you know, are. Let me ask you both something. What brought you into these fields? Uh, like for instance, Mike, did, did you do you have a hearing problem at all, or just? No, I don't. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, have met uh, and became a friend with a, a, a gentleman that I went to school with uh, at Tulane. I graduated from there in 93. Uh, and uh, he actually went to work for General Hearing as an engineer. And so um, with him sort of working and developing some of those products uh, after I graduated, he's like, you know, here's an interesting sort of company, uh, maybe something you'd want to look into. So I went ahead and did that. And uh, 20 years later, I'm uh, still there, kind of working <laughs> my way up the company. And, and it has been a very interesting ride. A um, lot of uh, great uh, products, a lot of exciting things in the future. Sounds like you're well positioned with what's going on, too. That, uh, Renee, uh, uh, you have glasses, but, I, but you're not blind. No, I'm not. And I have to tell you that before I came to the work at the Lighthouse 12 years ago, I'd never met anyone who was blind. And... Um, I actually ended up there just out, out of luck. I was I had moved, recently moved from Utah and I was looking for a job. My background was uh, manufacturing accounting. I worked at a, at a paint company and um, the lighthouse was looking for a controller and uh, their controller was leaving with like two weeks notice. And they needed someone right then and a temp agency kind of put the lighthouse and me together and I'm going like, I don't do not-for-profit, you don't understand. and. Um, after I, I came to the lighthouse and walked around and talked to the then who was the, the CEO, I thought this could be interesting, <laughs> and it is. Now we're going to check the inbox, and it's uh, where our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week from a listener. Uh, Grant, what have you got? Peter, we have two questions, one for each of our guests. Mike, this question came in for you on Twitter from Wade Rivero. He says, I was quoted $3,000 for hearing aids with my AUD, which I assume is an audiologist, yes, it's right? General Hearing sells them for $1,000 a pair. What makes General Hearing devices so inexpensive? Well, I think the product he's talking about is the ones that we do through our distributor at Walmart or Sam's Club. And the main difference is that um, when you go see an audiologist or ENT, um, they are going to customize the hearing aid uh, for that individual patient. They're going to take the time to do the programming and things like that of that hearing aid. Um, and so, in effect, you're going to be paying for their time and their overhead and things like that, those follow-up adjustments. The products that we sell through Sam's Club are catered for people who have up to a moderate hearing loss. Uh, so many people in that category can do very well with sort of a generic sort of setup. 
So by uh, providing those types of products, we're able to uh, hit that price point of about 350 to 450 per unit. Uh, and so they can experience a very big savings if they have that sort of moderate type of hearing loss. Renee, here's a question for you that came in on Facebook from Katrina Turio. She says, I've heard of blind people being employed by nonprofits at less than minimum wage. Is this accurate? And if so, what is your organization doing to ensure the blind community can find employment at a living wage? That is a great question. So there have been in the past um, organizations that employ, employ people who are blind or have other disabilities using a special certificate. I'm affiliated with the National Industries for the Blind, our organization is, and we have worked very hard to um, promote not using a special certificate and that everyone um, works in a quality work environment and uh, makes more than minimum wage. So we, we, we definitely uh, advocate for that. Now, Renee and Mike, I want to take a minute to introduce you to uh, Marco Altamirano. Uh, we met Marco through uh, Max Godan, uh, a previous entrepreneur guest on Out to Lunch and the founder of AirPNP. Uh, listeners will remember this because it was a very cool app that helped you find a bathroom. Uh, Max is uh, impressed with Marco's entrepreneurial idea called Grad Square. I'm going to give Marco one minute to tell you about it, and then I'm going to give you a chance to ask Marco one question, a question that you think he'll need to be able to answer in order to move his business forward. Uh, we've got Marco at the table. Marco, give us your one minute pitch. Sure, sure. Be happy to, Peter. Thanks. Um, at Grad Square, we're solving a problem for both recruiting and universities. People are going to grad school in record numbers, but if you want to hire a master's or a PhD in economics or geology or biochemical engineering, just for example, you'll probably end up posting an ad on a mega job board like Monster. And that's going to generate a lot of unqualified applications. Consequently, major companies um, try to establish relationships with a handful of universities in order to develop a pipeline for specialized talent. Uh, the problem is that there's over 700 master's degree granting universities in the U.S. alone. So we built GradSquare to bridge the gap between universities and industry. GradSquare is a place where employers connect with graduates from every university. And since universities want to track their graduate placement, we provide them with analytics so that they get a picture of their graduates across regions and industries. Um, I should also mention that it's super easy to find social science and STEM grads on GradSquare. It's like Pinterest for recruiting. So <laughs> if you're looking for a biologist who can code, you just click a couple tags, biology and coding, and the relevant profiles just pop up. And if you want a medical executive, just select medicine and business. And in each case, the results will be candidates for precisely the, con the credentials that you're looking for. So, Marco, I know that you, you were talking about um, business or medical or, or depending on what, what people are getting um, degrees in. Do you have anything included for people with specialty, um, specialty degrees? like, and this is per purely personal, uh -huh. <laughs> like uh, low vision teachers or orientation and mobility specialists, people with those kind of degrees, or are you going to have search mechanisms for that? Because right now that is, uh, that is, it's very difficult to find those professionals. And th so this, is, this would be a great way to get in, to get in touch with, with them. But the schools are like, there's only like I don't know, five or six schools that do that kind of training. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And um, 
And it's great advice. It's well taken. We we specialize in um, advanced academic degrees, like you know, uh, biochemical engineers and people from STEM fields and, and humanists and social sciences, right now. But uh, we eventually plan to expand to include professional degrees as well, the ones that you were mentioning. Okay. Mike, I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that's really necessary to be able to make that bridge, that link there. Um, and I can even see it. <coughs> excuse me, being able to uh, possibly provide services to the candidate. You almost look at this in a strange way, almost like one of the dating sites. You know, you could yeah. provide <laughs> some additional things and additional features where you can have people highlight themselves, you know, uh, that may catch someone's eye a little bit more than just specifications on a... Uh, on a uh, on resume the dating sites, you lie about yourself, though. That would not be good in this particular... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I can exactly. almost see a, a similar sort of thing there. But I think it's a great idea and a great opportunity. Now, Marco, thank you so much for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with Grad Square. Uh, thank you so much, Marco. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Uh, we're going to stick around a little longer after the show and talk some more about Grad Square. You'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation with Marco Altamirano on our website, itsneworleans.com. Uh, Mike Major, Renee Vadreen, you're both steering businesses that are sizable and successful. And every day you go to work, you're having a positive effect on people's lives. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, thank you both for joining me today and uh, joining me for Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Peter. Enjoyed this a lot here. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Renee Vidrine, uh, President of Lighthouse Louisiana, and Mike Major, Vice President of Sales and Marketing for General Hearing Instruments. You can find out more about Mike's hearing aids and Renee's many resources by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and it's New Orleans. Com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and WWNO.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments.